Gig Gab, the Working Musicians podcast, episode number 49 for Tuesday, January 26th, 2016. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. It's good to talk to you, Paul. It is. We're into the dog days of winter now, aren't we? We are. Um, I, I, I deftly avoided a blizzard this weekend by staying exactly where I was at home. <laughs> how, much, how much snow did you guys get? We got none, actually. The, the edge of the blizzard ended about 10 miles south of us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And how much snow 10 miles south of you? No, not much. It, you know, it sort of tapered off. But, you know, an hour south of us, Boston, I think, got about a foot. Areas yeah. of Connecticut got about a foot. New York City, I think Manhattan got like two feet. And then, of course, yeah. D.C. got just totally hammered with like three feet of snow. Yeah. Although it, two feet in Manhattan is also totally hammered. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, uh, Springsteen was supposed to play Madison Square Garden at a concert. That canceled the show on Saturday night. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so a wise move. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one would have been able to get there. That's right. Yeah. 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 Out here, it's um, we've had a couple of great bouts of rain because we've had this horrible drought that we've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. And uh, this El Nino, it's been like intense rain and then beautiful blue skies. Today's beautiful blue skies. It's like, oh, a, nice. you know, nice day out here. So but I have a, I have a first outdoor gig of the year on Saturday and it's at the ocean. Um, at a festival called the SOS Seafood Festival. And um, it's supposed to rain on Saturday. I checked in with the promoter. It's like a tented area. We may get there and get sent home because it's supposed to be another one of those kind of rains. But uh, you don't do a lot of outdoor gigs, either of us, in January, right? No, I would do no outdoor gigs in January. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I guess I'm trying to think. I know I've done one. It was either December or January, but it was like a you know, an outdoor festival thing, but it was just like an acoustic sort of, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, not, not really. Certainly not without a lot of questions answered. Absolutely. So did you have a gig this weekend? I did actually. I played on uh, Saturday night at a place called the shanty, a little bar and grill kind of thing local to me here. We played with, uh, with a group that we call amnesiac. It's, uh, it's three fifths. The acoustic three fifths of fling is what we call it. And our last names, Start with uh, H A and M, which is where Russ came up with the name. So uh, Russ plays guitar. Uh, I play some sort of acoustic percussion. Usually my cajon these days. Yeah, I used to play congas, but the cajon's way easier to transport. And then Aaron Abbott plays uh, plays keyboards. We all sing, but um, you know, I went into this gig. Um, acoustic gigs, you're always more. I feel like you're always more exposed than you are with an electric gig. I don't know how how you feel about that, but I think it's. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I, actually, interestingly, I've never asked you this before. Is there like a, an acoustic scene that is growing in your area? Like, are there, is there more call and need for these, uh, for these like, you know, combos or solo performer type things? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. I, I feel like the gigs have always been there. I, I don't think it's growing. I think it's, it's, it's fairly well established actually. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I've been doing the acoustic thing for, you know, whatever. I mean, 
not quite 10 years, but, but certainly more than five here. And it's, there's always stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I always, I always feel, you know, exposed for, for a couple of reasons. A, there's not a whole lot of extra sound, right? So everything you do is heard. And B, I'm usually with the acoustic thing far closer to the front of the stage and not surrounded by, you know, an arsenal of, of drums. Yeah. It's yeah. a different vibe for you. It's totally. And I'm standing up. Uh, and I really yeah. like that. You, you know, it's good. But um, but it, it is more exposed. And so and especially with, you know, Hymnesiac, that acoustic outfit is the is the acoustic three fifths of fling, whereas as monkey fist is the acoustic three fifths or sometimes without me, two fifths of chafed. And in chafe, John Donahue is the singer. He runs the show. Everything is, you know, he's point man. I mean, we all participate, but he's point man. And fling, the same is true. Everybody participates, but I'm point man. And so going into Saturday's gig, I was actually a little apprehensive because I was going in with a head cold. My throat had actually, the the head cold started with nothing but my throat, which was sort of weird. It actually made me wondering like what was going on with me. And then it turned out it was just a head cold. But, uh, you know, I had to sing uh, probably 50%, if not more than 50% of the tunes, I didn't quite break it out, but I had to sing a lot. And on the tunes that I don't sing lead, I'm singing harmony. So I'm singing on everything. And, uh, you know, I was worried about, would my throat make it? I have to be the one that's on point. So, you know, am I going to be, you know, alert enough and aware enough of what's going on with the crowd and fast enough to react and, and all of that, you know, stuff that sort of goes into, when you go see a band, that's, you know, somebody on stage has to be, should be thinking about where the, how, you know, how the band's impacting the crowd, how that relationship is going, what song is the right one to be next. Even though you got a set list, maybe sometimes the set list isn't the right thing to follow, you know, the yeah. whole, that whole thing. Right. And so at, at, at Hamnesiac gigs, that's my job. So I, I had a lot of responsibility going into the gig and to do that with a head cold, um, you know, it was just a little. A little nerve wracking coming in, but yeah, in, in, a, in a good a way, smooth flowing thing. It's, it's, there's a little more concentration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, you know, I always say if I hit the stage and I'm not at least at nervous and, and nervous is the wrong word, but if I'm not at heightened alertness because of the situation, I'm doing something wrong. Right. Sure. I mean, it, it because you care. Right. Being nervous means you, you care about the outcome and therefore you're concerned about how it's going to go. And uh, and so that actually played really, really well. We got there a little bit early. We set up and uh, and then we ate dinner and uh, and we played and everything went really, really well. Um, I, my voice held up fine. I even hit the high note in uh, the high falsetto and take on me, Paul. So that was uh, good. Yeah. 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 Just- what is that note again? Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's an E. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Did you have to build up to that falsetto strength or is, or is it a pretty easy note for you? That note is easy. The A before I think it's an A before I don't I'm, I'm still I still foggy from this head cold. So forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. But there's the um, so there's the, you know, um, uh, th- that day is the, the, the word that you sang for that, that really high note, but there's, there's take on me, take me on. I'll be gone, th- gone. And I'm not hitting it here, but that's the hardest note for me to hit because I'm hitting it full voice, not falsetto. Yeah. And yeah. he hits it in, in uh aha. That guy sings the whole thing. Falsetto. He wimps out. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, the gig went really, really well. We had a great crowd, uh, 
it was it started out as a small crowd. It was, you know, like we were saying, the, the weather here was sort of iffy. And and there was a big Patriots game on the next day. So I think a lot of people kind of stayed in. It was sort of a weird night uh, to play a gig around here. But there were people out there. And actually, most of the people that were there after we started playing called friends and brought more people down. And uh, and it worked out really well. We actually skipped our second break. We took we were supposed to play three sets, but it's a 730 to 1030, which is kind of a weird thing for three sets. It really should be two. And uh, so we played like an hour and five minutes for the first set took maybe a 15 minute break. And then when we started again, it got to be like nine 40. And I said to the guys, I'm like, if we stop, everybody's going to leave. Right. So we should just, I mean, it's, it's only another, it's less than an hour. Are you guys good? And they're like, yes, yeah, let's go. So we, we played through, but um, one thing I didn't think about during the gig, which was a treat. Don't get me wrong. Was the sound. And, you know, I, we set up when we got there and it was my second time at this club. Um, but first time with having Aaron on keys, the last time we actually mixed uh, Monkey Fist and Hamnesiac because we had John Donahue instead of Aaron. And, uh, you know, sound is always a, a weird thing in a room and you got to get it right. And you don't want it, especially with the acoustic thing. But anyway, you don't want it too loud. You, you know, it needs to be quite it needs to be right. And then there's always with acoustic instruments, there's always, you know, the, the additional risk of feedback and, and all this and the other thing. And it was my first gig doing sound. You know, we mentioned the Mackie, the DL-1608, right? Uh, which is a mixer mm-hmm. I've had for years, and I love it. It's a digital mixer. But it was my first gig since they did, or since I applied the most recent software update. And the most recent software update adds something to the EQs, uh, the outbound EQs on, on the mains and the monitors, that is immensely helpful. And that is, it adds a real-time analyzer, an RTA. What that means is you kick in the RTA and right on the EQ, it shows you what frequencies it's sending out. Now, where this is really helpful, and there's a lot of uses for this, but in setup where it's really helpful is when you're tuning the feedback out of the PA, you can see where the feedback is and instantly tune it. I've spent 30 years learning to listen, and I'm pretty good at at guessing where, or not guessing, but sorting out where it is. But it's way easier when it shows you, you know, especially with a head cold. Right. And so I sure it it took two, not even two minutes. It took a minute to, you know, sort of ring out the the PA. And we did it before dinner. And I said, well, let's make sure we, you know, really tune this thing when we come back up, because I haven't done quite enough. I I didn't feel like I'd done quite enough. And we didn't. Uh, We just played. And at the end of the night, it was like, hey, wait a minute. That worked really well. So the That's RTA, cool. yeah, the RTA played a, a huge role, a uh, really so, you know, handy with, thing. With acoustic gigs, <clears throat> I think I've shared before that I have one of those Bose personal audio systems, that, which is yeah. you know, the kind of the, the line array type thing. And I love it. It sounds great. There's a four channel mixer that you can get that attaches right to it. Yep. That has a bunch of presets, makes things very, very easy. And in the meantime, um, a lot of other companies are starting to come out with things that kind of emulate that singer songwriter personal PA. I know Fishman has one. A buddy of mine, I just heard it at a restaurant playing through one of those sounded re- really, really good. I think Nady's then, got one too. Yeah. 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 There's lots and, of them. Yeah. And now actually Mackie just came out with one called the reach. And I got to say, you know, Mackie gear is really blowing me away lately. We bought a couple of Mackie subs, sub uh, powered subs. Yeah. Way better sounding than our JBL subs. And I always thought Mackie kind of like 
I had perceived of Mackey being in that kind of like semi-professional cost efficient line, kind of like Nady yeah. and not as kind of like high end stuff. I mean, you know, Behringer, you know, kind of in there, not true at all. All the Mackey stuff I've been using lately, these subs are fantastic from everything I've heard of this reach is fantastic. You know, the 1608, you know, that, that gear that, you know, their, their iOS engineers are really savvy. They're, they do great job with, with, uh, with software as well. Yep. But this Mackey reach is going to, you know, the Bose is great. And, uh, the second generation Bose, I have a first and a second generation. Like everything keeps getting lighter. Yes. Smaller easier like if you want to walk in with this in one hand and a guitar in another hand and you know you're ready to go so i it's getting way easier to do these acoustic gigs for me the gear to support them are getting better and the mackie thing has a six channel mixer built right into it right yeah i'm looking at this i hadn't heard about this thing this looks awesome it is great and and like i said the much of the same good software engineering chops that's in the 1608 that thinking is in because it's bluetooth controllable <sighs> from a mobile app that's awesome oh yeah right? i see it right here oh yeah see that's what you want <laughs> right there yeah, yeah you don't have to think about it you just do it oh that's really good man yeah so yeah this stuff right we did uh, like i said we used the 1608 because i have it we i mean we used uh what three vocals two keyboards and a, a, a guitar and a drum so we used six channels yeah and that would have been fine um for us actually we used seven channels didn't we two for the keyboards but uh but we could have made do with six that would have been easy enough and um man yeah that would make a big difference having that thing but, you know, we just used two speakers. We used a monitor and a, actually, I guess we put two mains up and aimed one into this other room that no one turned that it turned out no one was in. So we turned that one off. But uh, well, check it out. One last thing about this Mackie reach yeah. this really cool. Not only can you put it behind you like you do with the bows and, you, you know, it is your it's monitor. Your monitor and it is the right. Main, but they also have they, they implemented this new side fill technology. So there's there's monitors on the sides of it and you can either program the reach to use those two little side fills to increase the the circumference that the the area that the the speaker is serving or if you're standing on the side of this thing you now have monitoring. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. How smart is that, man? Yeah. I love it. That's good. Yeah, so yeah. we got to put that in the show notes because it's definitely if you're doing it. And then, you know, my other thought on, on, um, I was asking you about whether there's an acoustic scene. I think it's a great marketing tool for guys who lead or play in, you know, traditional bands to get out there and do these stripped down things. I think it kind of shows your audience that you're, you have a few, a few facets to you, the way that you can entertain them. And I mean, it's, it's interesting for people who like your band to come see you do something different. Yes. Especially if you're, especially if you're good at it. Well, uh, if, you're, yeah. if you're bad at it, don't do home. it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is that, that, um, that personal connection that you get by doing these stripped down shows and not only just by doing them, but, but the way that you're interpreting songs is really kind of a, a rush and it's great advertising for your band it, it strengthens is. it strengthens the connection with your fans it makes them see you in an interesting way it makes them appreciate your your art even deeper so i think yeah, it, that it's, fourth wall doesn't exist nearly as much right it, you know i use the theater term fourth wall right which is the the, the, the non-existent wall between at the edge of the stage right between right. the performer and the crowd and within a, i mean when you're playing in a in an electric band it doesn't really exist there either but 
it exists a whole lot less in the acoustic well, there's a wall lineup. Of, there's a wall of sound between you. That's and true. Your, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's often, a good point. How many times have you played where even if you're only moderately vo- loud, you're still there's loud. Like, there's yeah. a force field, you know, a, a semicircle. When we were doing those, um, when we were doing those, um, the, the parties, remember when we would start, there would be like a little semicircle of people about 20 to 30 feet back. Yes. But as the night goes on, they start to crawl close, a little closer. In those acoustic gigs, it's so intimate. It's so face to face. Plus you're, you know, the nature of it is you're telling stories about the songs that you've chosen yes. and, you know, why you like them. And, and it, it, you know, you're right. The, the very real part of the performance is there's nothing to hide behind, which if you can do it. And again, I, I want to encourage a lot of people to do it because even if you just get out and go to a couple open mics and just strum a guitar for a while and sing along, that's a great first step as you work on your performance chops, your singing chops, the cleanliness of, of your, of your chops. Um, you know, the precision that you have, it's, it's, it's good for you. It's great for your band. Um, and those gigs are out there and sometimes you'll actually get paid better than if you play in a full band. Well, you, you yes, it is easy to get paid better if, than if you play in a full band and uh, your, your teardown and setup is like almost non-existent, especially when you compare it to what it takes to set up and tear down a, you know, a, a full band. For sure. Yeah. yeah but, many benefits to getting out and doing that. Yeah. And it's fun. I, you know, like you said, I mean, there, there's the, the personal interaction with the crowd, which, I mean, you pointed out the marketing benefits of it and they are huge, but there's also just the, the kind of good for your soul benefits of, yes. of, you know, being there and being, you know, I mean, I, I went into this gig with a cold and by the end of it, I felt great. And I felt great because I had fun with my friends playing music. We played really well together. I, you know, everybody stepped up Russ and Russ is awesome at this. He he's, he's a master at feeling out crowds. He doesn't like to be the front man. He doesn't like to be in the limelight, although he, he will step into it if necessary, but he really has a knack for it. And he was, you know, as always at any fling gig too, he was, you know, immensely helpful with it, uh, with kind of keeping the night flowing and, and entertaining. But, you know, I had fun, fun with my friends, but also connected with these people. And it, you know, it's, it's good for the soul, man. It's, um, it's a good it thing. It, it, yeah. It's the kind of the rawest form of, of, uh, connection through music. Yeah. 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 But it is naked. I mean, you do have to accept that going in that, you know, there's going to be people right there on top of you. Um, and you, it is, there's no denying the fact that they are hyper aware of everything you do, even when it's great, they know it. And when it sucks, they know it and yeah. that's okay. I kind of like it, you know, it is okay. And actually, uh, Steve, who we had on the show uh, a while ago, he was telling a story about he saw C- Stephen Stills uh, in a, you know, just Stephen Stills acoustic. And Stills was having a really, really, really bad night. And it was a- apparent to him, and it was apparent to the people in the small audience that Stills was having a really bad night. And then he's doing this solo version of Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. And he gets to this point and he just crystal clear hits this really top end note. And the audience erupts, you know, in 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 applause and still stops the song and he goes yeah i know i'm surprised too (laughs) (laughs) but you know that's the thing is that's a thing when when you're there unless you've done something either and you're just playing terribly and nobody knows you but uh, otherwise you have to work hard to get out of the role of being the the person or act 
that the audience is rooting for. Right. I mean, that's they come in and they're rooting for you to succeed. Otherwise, sure. they wouldn't be sitting there. You know, it's not like you're you're playing against them. I mean, it's, you know, the goal for everyone in the room is for it to go well. And and like you said, you know, they'll they'll be forgiving uh, for, for some things. And thank goodness for that, because we trotted out some tunes we'd never done before the other night. And, you know, some of them were good and some of them were not. And that's but, okay. but this is where that this is where that refinement of your chops as a performer comes in, because yeah. it is a risk and it is naked. And that's the charm of the experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, last week I have a friend who uh, it was his girlfriend's birthday and she came in and they have a, a favorite song and they they wanted me to sing it for her birthday. And it's it's not a great song for me. And I'm a little shaky on the lyrics as it is. And I, I started out OK, but then, you know the lack of great memory kicks in and I, I squawked the, the, the lyrics a little bit about a third of the way in and just kind of survived the song the rest of the time. But people really liked it. It really meant a lot to them. And even in the middle of the song, I said, told you it might not go so well. And, uh, <laughs> and they were, they were totally cool about it and they just appreciated it. This is where you learn about performance. This is where you learn about connection to an audience yes. because you know, you're striving for perfection. You have your own standards about what you want to do. Stuff comes up. And sometimes the right thing to do is just brush past it because the audience will never know. Sometimes it's so freaking obvious that you're going to have to say something about it. And this is where you learn to work a crowd. This is where you learn to tell a story. And this is where you learn to um, understand that music and performing music is an intimate transaction, a, you know, a, com- uh, a method of communication. And you learn how to make everything work for you, in- including the clams. And, yeah, including the clams. You have to. Well, you, I mean, you, you, you better acknowledge them or um, – or, you know, do something, don't, but don't pretend that everybody in the room didn't hear it. You know, just right. roll with it. It's okay. And some humility, as long as it's not too self-deprecating. Exactly. Uh, is good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. you know, it's fun. I love, I love the acoustic gigs. And I, I you know, I've been, I, I've said in the past when we do electric gigs, I use ear monitors and have for like 15 years and it makes hearing vocals and everything much, much better. But there is nothing like hearing harmonies in a, you know, stripped down acoustic gig and blending them. It's just so much. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's easier. Um, I mean, it's more exposed, but man, the result is so much, so much better. I think it's like, a, it's an organic thing that you're creating. Yeah. It, it's, it's literally, you're working the air and, you know, getting your voices to blend and you're, you're not giving it all up to a sound man, especially in these you know, little coffee houses or yeah. small restaurants, you, you have to do it. And it's a great learning process. Um, you know, again, I've shared many times, um, finding harmonies is not easy for me, but Steve, who we have on the show is an unbelievably patient and generous musician who has helped me so much. And I'm learning, you know, rapidly every week is a lesson singing with him and Mary Ellen. And it's just, it's, it's one of the most, uh, rewarding musical pursuits. Like, you know, I love playing guitar and I love playing in my band, but that when that acoustic thing comes together and either in the trio and often when I'm doing a solo shows now, um, when it's all right, the balance is right. The vibe in the room is right. And then the harmonies are just, you know, floating out there. It does create a really magical sensation for everybody involved. It's magical. Yeah. So how about you? Did you have gigs this weekend, man? I did. We went back to that club where you saw me, the Crow's Nest down at the ocean. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, we, so usually a January, and it's been raining here. So a January, a rainy January night is going to be a slow night. We played, we've played Januaries at the Crows for many years and they're, you know, okay nights at best. We had one of those nights where we had a great group of local fans drive about 25 minutes, half hour to come see us. So we had a, we had a Homer crowd to get going. Plus there just happened to be a good crowd there. The energy was great. The band played I mean, it was one of those things where the energy fed in a perfect circle. They were giving it to us. We were giving it to them. We did a tribute song for three fallen heroes. We played still a young man by tower of power because Mick Gillette, their their trumpet player passed. We did uh, life in the fast lane for Glenn Frey Fry. Nice. And, um, and we did uh, rebel rebel for David Bowie. Oh, nice. And we did the rebel rebel without a rehearsal. I, I just sent it out to the guy. say, please prepare it. They came and it was went over great and it was fun to play once you realized it was going to be OK. I mean, everybody, when yeah. it's these things, you know, you got to you got to come to it with an open mind, ready to listen, ready to, you know, follow the leader on that stuff. And the band was terrific about it. And, and uh, it was fun. It was just a lot of nice people. Dance floor was packed from downbeat to the last note. Uh, uh, we're playing Born to Run now. We got um, we wrote a horn chart to accompany us on Born to Run, and we did that as a as a second to last song. Uh, no, no, last song. That's right. It was a very very last song, and uh, that's of course rewarding for me for reasons we don't need to go into. I've heard uh, you're a Springsteen fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I at least somebody was playing Springsteen's tunes this weekend. There, there you go. Right? Yeah. If not Bruce, it was if me. not Bruce. So, yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. So it was it was fun. Although it was one thing. This place is a uh, lounge upstairs, you know, a bar upstairs and a nice restaurant downstairs. And we've almost only played on Saturday nights. Well, the last time we were there, which was maybe November, early December, we played on a Friday night. And I can't remember the last time we played on a Friday night. And in this place, Friday nights, you start at nine, Saturday nights, you start at nine 30. So we started at nine on a Friday night and um, immediately the diners that were still downstairs lost their mind <laughs> and it created a real problem. I mean, I mean, the manager of the restaurant came up, was yelling at the manager of the bar and uh, and, you know, turned down and we're like, we, are, we're, we can only turn down so much. Trumpets right. are going to be loud. Right. And um, and we're like, we're doing the same thing we've always done. And I think it was that extra half hour. Nine thirty is a little bit late to still be in there for dinner. So yeah. uh, so going into this gig, our sound guy. Bill was like, I do not want to have any issues. So we're going to change a couple of things. So we went um, only in ears and took two monitors away. So, uh, so everybody on stage is with in ears. No. Oh, Simon and I, two guitar players yeah. have in ears and use in ears. And then, uh, I, and because the club is pretty small, yeah. instead of having five horns in a row, we have two and then three behind okay. the two in front are saxophones, Barry sax and tenor sax. And they usually have in ears plus monitors. They want only in ears. So four in ears. We took, we were able to take three monitors out of the got equation. It. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't have your backup monitors. I get, I got it. Yep. And, and, and uh, yes, it, it, well that plus the dance floor was so dense. I'm sure that's soaking up a lot of the sound. And so, you know, that helped, but it was a little bit weirder. You know, we didn't mic the guitar cabs, mm. um, like we usually, and this is a small club. Personally, I think we overdo it sometimes. Yeah, I've been there. There's no reason to mic guitar cabs and probably no reason to even mic horns in that club. But, you know, yeah. But once you're used to getting kind of that cross the stage, like the guys on the far end, Nick and and Steve, the keyboard player and the the bass player, they really, 
only heard what they heard on their side of the stage because not a lot of that stuff was mic'd. Right. So, well, so you can, little, you know, you can still mic it and feed it in a monitor without putting it in the mains. No, no, we can, but we didn't. You just didn't. I get it. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a thing. Our band has, it's complicated to mix and it's complicated to mic. And, uh, you know, we've gotten really spoiled because we have a great sound guy who always tries to make us feel as comfortable as possible and get us the mixes exactly as we want them. Yeah. And, and this environment didn't quite lend to that for, for the reasons that I shared. Sure. So it was a little bit of a weird feel, but the, it was such a fun gig that even the guys who couldn't hear everything they would have liked to, they found, they found the, you know, the, what they needed and everybody played great new songs, tribute songs, dancing, happy people, uh, you know, not a really good January gig. That's good. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, well, three tribute songs for two people. We played um, the Eagles already gone and take it easy. Um, and, uh, uh, to honor Glenn Fry, obviously. And then we as fling play Ziggy, but I don't sing it. It's Mike that sings it. So none of us that were there sang it. And it's a weird song to sing if you haven't done it before. Cause it, you know, it's not just a traditional, you know, follow the, the, the chords and you're good to go kind of song. But uh, thankfully our friend Adam black showed up and he, uh, he he sang he's you know he sings it in his acoustic outfit so we had him him come up he played uh friend of the devil with us and then ziggy and so we we you know we were able to to That's honor cool. the bowie request yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah the, the discussion about bowie has gotten everybody thinking and so simon does a really nice acoustic version of space oddity mm. nick nick is really hot to do fame yeah which uh and you know he sent our arranger on a task of coming up with an interesting thing to do with the horns. Plus, you know, some of the pads and triggers and that type of thing. I'm hot to do young Americans. That's a great wheelhouse song. That'd be a great song for you guys. Yeah. 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 Fame is fun, but I don't think it's the right song for the house rockers. We're going to find out. I guess you are back. Yeah. 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 Which is fun. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing, right? Is, is, it, you know, we, and we do this in fling all the time. Somebody will suggest a song and I'll say, well, I don't know that that's the right thing. And it used to be somebody would hear me say that and then we wouldn't do it. It's like, no, 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 let's try it because I've been proven wrong before. Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, I've, I've shared that before. That was a big turning point in our band when I was trying to really tightly control what I felt who we are was somewhat ignoring that, that who we are is not necessarily who all the individual people are. So that's why, our, our playlist is so varied now and yeah. we get you know, some hardcore funk and stuff like that. And, and once I turned that corner personally and was like, let's have it, just try it. You know, yes, you're investing some time, even if you don't think that a, a song is going to be good for you for the teamwork of your band, making people feel as though they're participating. It's a really good thing. So having a, having a, we'll try anything attitude has been a really positive thing for our group. I, and you know, every band is different. So in some bands, people have very strong opinions that, that, you know, I've started this band to be a prog rock band and that's what we're going to be. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Louis Louis might not be the right tune to play straight. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's um, Bowie is kind of permeating. Not that much Eagle stuff. You know, we, we have life in the fast lane. That's cool. I'll have a, yeah, I'll have a chance to do um, take it easy, you know, at solo acoustic things, which I love to do. But um, it was funny when I wrote the set list for this gig, we're adding a lot of songs and we've been adding a lot of songs. I think we have 
about four shows worth of songs that and I could pull any one song out and every gig that we're doing now, somewhere around 20% say of the songs are changing from gig to gig. So if you come and see us two nights in a row, you'll see, you know, 20% of a different show. Not that some songs don't make it every show. Cause they're kind of our, our home run songs, yeah. but, um, Man. Do you have enough? Do you have enough home run tunes where you could play two nights back to back without repeating anything? I really think we could. I mean, I th- I, mean, I think you could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at dance clubs, we have now I think three or four Earth, Wind, and Fire tunes, and those just always, always guaranteed yep. do what they need to do. That's right, right. But when I was looking at the list of stuff that I didn't put in for this show, I was like, holy crap! You know, we have we've got a lot, a lot of music and it. And the fun thing has been, I've been, I'm starting at least during the winter time when we're playing a lot, I probably won't be able to do this, but over the last couple of months and, and still I plan to for the next few months, I'm sending out set lists. We rehearse on Tuesday. I'll send out a set list on Wednesday for the weekend. So if guys need to do anything and I'm just pulling songs don't, don't, out, wait, we, I'm going to have to edit that part out uh, <laughs> uh, because fling would love that. But I build the set list like Friday for a Friday night gig, sometimes Friday for a Saturday gig. So well, uh, the reason I'm doing that uh, is because I'm pulling songs that we haven't touched in a while. Yeah, I do that too though. So really we're going to have to edit this whole part. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's been a it's been a blast seeing what the guys come back with in yeah. terms of and i think a lot of this is because the band has been in such a good role for a while that not only is the i think when you're happy your mind is retaining cool stuff in a in a much more organic way so if i haven't called something for nine months or a year i'd like what do we do oh at our last uh club date in my town i called um I called um, a Skinner tune. Um, I know a little. Oh, what a great tune. Yeah. Great tune. And um, we hadn't touched it in over a year. Done. So it it's was awesome. Really. And, and that's that, the hard. I mean, that's hard for harder for your, you and the other guitar player, right? Whoever plays that, that little lick, right? So that'd be me. That's and I, okay. I, well, actually, I, I got to do a full disclosure. Cause I know my guys are listening to this and laughing at it. Um, <laughs> We started it a little fast. You know, the drum was, was, was fa- well, not, not fast. It was faster than I anticipated and maybe a little faster than we've ever played it before. And that is a, that is a smoking fast lick. Oh yeah. And, uh, and once you're, once you fall behind on it, it's really hard to catch it up. It's there's over. not a, there's yeah. not a breath. So, so I, I give myself about a B on, on that opening lick um, where usually I can, usually I can hit it, but um, yeah, I, I just have to have full plausible deniability here in case anybody, <laughs> anybody I know listens to it. Yeah. You don't want anybody calling foul on that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll show up on YouTube. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I think we've, uh, we covered the benefits of acoustic gigs and, uh, the benefits of an open mind. Yeah. Good. Fun stuff, Dave. I like it. Yeah. Thanks folks. F- visit us at uh, giggabpodcast.com or of course on Facebook at giggabpodcast. We'd love it if you came and liked us over there and we've got some good stuff coming for you too. I think that's all I got this week, Paul. All right, Dave. Have a good week. You too. Take it easy, folks. See you next time.